you're listening to Behind Closed Doors with Billy Elliot. I'm Billy. By day, I host radio and interview all sorts of interesting people. And by night, I facilitate success for women in business, hosting space for women to set goals and reach their full potential, just like our Lewis FC players. Now, this podcast is your chance to personally get to know the players off the pitch. Today we have Paula Howells on the show, midfielder from Lewis FC, and I'm really excited to talk to her a little bit more about how her life has been getting to this point and playing for Lewis FC and things on and off the pitch that are interesting about Paula Howells. Paula, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Firstly, I'd like to ask you the question, how did you get to this place of playing Lewis FC? I mean, I've heard you're a very, very good player um, and you've had a really interesting career up to this point. Tell us from the beginning. Uh, Okay, so it started when I was about 11. Um, That's when I started playing. Not really seriously, because I don't think I knew enough about it. Um, I just sort of started playing in the playground with the boys. I think that's where most people start. Mm -hmm. Um. And then it was actually just a friend of mine that um, that also played uh, who just said, why don't you come along to to sort of one of her training sessions. It was for a team in Littlehampton. They were called Littlehampton Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even my parents at that point didn't think, they're like, you know, what's this? Are you playing with boys? They didn't really have any sort of idea about it. Um, and it went along and it turned out I was actually quite good. But I was in the B team, <laughs> believe it or not for the season and I just loved it I think it it was it was just everything at that point and um my parents saw this like advert and they were like oh there's Brighton Hove Albion trials going on they said to me you won't get in you just know that you won't go you won't get in at all but you might as well do it for the experience I was like cheers all right (laughs) they're so completely underconfident in your abilities (laughs) well now I understand it just that they haven't seen anyone else play football so they probably thought oh she's rubbish yeah (laughs) but um I actually got in uh, after three trials um, there. So I got in at, at the under 12s uh, at the academy and I played there until I was 16 um, mm-hmm. where I moved up to the women's team. Mm-hmm. But I think it was it was before then, in, in about I was about 13, when um, Brighton actually put me forward for international trials. Wow, this must have been like an absolutely incredible feeling to just be accepted from such a young age into such like brilliant opportunities well yeah it was crazy because I hadn't I hadn't been playing long I think even the people at the at at Brighton the centre of excellence have been playing since they were like a little tot like since they could walk like with their brothers or anything but I didn't have any brothers so I didn't play with them yeah (laughs) Um, so I was kind of a bit later um to start so um it, it was crazy. It was sort of like a whirlwind few years since when I started playing to then being at the level that I was. Yeah. But um, yeah, I went, I think it was my first international camp when I was 13 at the under 15s. And I was actually on standby. I think I, my mum, I didn't even know that I was on standby. That means like there's a camp, there's a group of 30 players that are up with the 15s already and one of them has to go home or has an injury and then they call someone else up. So you're like second best. Okay, right, um, yeah. At that point. And it was my first ever camp. So I got called up on standby. I, th- I can remember sitting with my mum and she got this call and she was like, you're expected up in Coventry or wherever it was at two o'clock today. I was like, for what? Um, <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. And then it was from there, really. I did well on that, them few days at that camp. 
as a standby player and I was selected ever since. Such a great story. I'd love to go slightly back to the, the beginning a bit there when you said that you were playing with the boys in the playground. What was that like as an experience? Because I remember when I was at school, the boys playing football was quite intimidating. It definitely was quite intimidating, but luckily I had, there was one other girl in my school that played. So she'd already been playing. I was just sort of like, she could finally bring someone along to the playground. So I had someone to ease me in. Yeah, totally. That's so great. Okay. Wow. So, so from then on, how did you get to becoming a Lewis FC player? What happened there? Um, well, as I said, I've, I've, I was at Brighton for most of my younger years um, and Lewis had always sort of been the team that was close by but they were never really at high standard. They had the players that didn't go to Brighton or they didn't have the funding as such. They weren't a massive club so if you were if you were a really good player you would be at Brighton and then if you're a Lewis player you would sort of aspire to be a Brighton player. But even when I was at Brighton I started to see that people that I was playing with internationally were at a higher level. They were starting to move up to the Super Leagues and WSL 2 as it was then and Brighton still wasn't that so it was it was the Premier Premier League I think it was called the Southern Premier League so I sort of took the jump I wanted to move up a level so I had trials at Chelsea and uh, London Bees mm-hmm. um, which I got into both but the Chelsea one obviously that sounds a lot better um, it was kind of as a dual contract and at that stage I don't think I really had the confidence to be like I don't want to sit on the bench for the first team I want to be playing I want to be playing at the highest level. I don't want to just be sitting and watching. So I decided to go to London Bees in the WSL2. And they were the real bottom end of the WSL2. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at least I was playing every week. I think that got me the experience, um, the experience in that league to sort of progress as a player. Even if I was losing and conceding God knows how many goals, um, it got me the game time. I think I was the... I had... I was the youngest player to reach 100 appearances in that league. Wow. So that was pretty cool. Brilliant. It sounds like you've achieved a lot in such a short amount of time. It sounds that way when I say it out loud, but I've never really thought of it like that. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you're living it every day, whereas from somebody who's on the outside, it sounds like you've got yeah a lot under your belt. Okay, so in terms of your football career and playing football in general, what keeps you going? It's probably like the enjoyment and the feeling that I get from it. I'd never really had any injuries before until I'd had these two big ones. And I think you can only really appreciate it when you get injured, actually what it does do for you. Like it's something now that I've always known and I've had to look at myself and think, oh, who am I when I don't have football? Mm. Like what what, what else am I going to do um, in case that, you know, I can't do that again. Um, and just by having the slightest chance that actually, no, you will get onto the pitch or you can work towards something again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that definitely keeps you going. Yeah, totally. It sounds like, well, from what you're saying, you kind of really experienced that. What's that idiom that's like, you don't know how good it is until it's gone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, in your downtime, because you have got an injury at the moment, haven't you, on one of your knees? Is that right? Yeah. 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 How has that been for you then, generally? How long have you had the injury for? What happened? Uh, well, it's crazy because it's quite a rare injury. I don't think it happens so much in football. It's like the strongest ligament in your knee mine has previously snapped in my right leg and has now snapped in my left leg 
Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> which is, it, it just happens from like brute force to the kneecap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just landed on it awkwardly in training mm-hmm. just before mm-hmm. Christmas. Oh. And that happened. But I think it was kind of, I didn't really expect it to be as bad as it is. But mm-hmm. the club are looking after me. So they're, they're looking after me so well that it's so much easier to deal with than it was the last one where I didn't have that support. Yeah, it sounds like Lewis FC are an incredibly supportive football club. Oh, definitely. I couldn't fault them. Everything they do is amazing. The way that they treat us as people, not just players, like I think previously, like it, it's not like that. And definitely the sp- like people that I've spoken to, it doesn't happen often in women's football. You're treated as, you know, a player and what you can offer on the pitch. If you get injured, then that's it. You're not of use to that club which is definitely something I've had to deal with in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't had that, that support. And especially from my perspective, as I was told, I, was, I wasn't going to play again with my first injury. So Cool, that must have been scary. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I was very alone. I didn't have anyone sort of saying, it's fine, we'll look after you. Because yeah. what good, why are they going to look after me if I can't play for them again? <laughs> yeah, that's so it's so terrible, isn't it? Because a lot of what football does is bring people together and create community. Um, and it's a shame that in other places that doesn't continue when you're not playing and not able to be part of the game. Yeah, definitely. But it was just a completely different feeling when I got injured at Lewis. Like the first thing was that everyone's like it doesn't matter it's fine like you're gonna be okay and um and straight away you know I had like the men's team's physio come over to me on the day that I got injured and was offering me things like do I want to use the cryo chamber and I was like kind of in shock like that doesn't happen mm-hmm. um it doesn't happen at any other club and everyone's treated so equally mm-hmm. straight away I just knew that if if it was a bad injury I was I was going to be fine. Yeah, amazing. That's so good to hear. And I love what you said then about being treated equally. I think on the topic of equality, um, I saw you in the promo vid for Rainbow Laces. Yeah, so um, I think Lewis has always been big on the Rainbow Laces campaign um, because it's you know it's so close to Brighton, but it's gay capital of the world. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, so. It's- I think it's always been kind of big um, at Lewis. They've always tried to campaign for what they believe is right. So as soon as um, people got in touch and said, do you want to be a part of it? I was like, yeah, sure. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty open. I don't care about what I say. We've got a lot of younger people in the team as well. So I, I thought, ah, I'll step up. <laughs> yeah, lovely. So in terms of being that kind of, I guess, one of the lowest figureheads for like LGBTQ plus equality in, in sport, what would you like to see for the LGBTQ plus community in football in the wider world um I just think it needs to be sort of celebrated more in in all aspects of life but in sport definitely because I think there's a lot of stereotypes around women's football of course because of you know the amount of female footballers that are deemed to be lesbian or gay or whatever they identify as Mm -hmm. um that is definitely stereotyped but in the men's game it needs to be spoken about more as well because I don't think it's as accepted and it should be you know how if the women can celebrate it as they do in football then the men should be able to do the same and they shouldn't be ashamed of who they are essentially just because of the sport that they play. Yeah I totally agree. Why do you think there is such a difference in that way? Um, I find it crazy and sort of I can't really understand it Um, but I do think because it's been built up so much and because nobody has sort of stepped up and and spoken about who they are that now 
there's become some sort of enormous pressure as to who will be the first male footballer to do that. And I don't know why there shouldn't be that pressure, but I can feel it and I'm not a part of it. Mm. Um, you know, there's all these newspaper stories about, oh, there's a, there's a footballer that's come out and they never give a name. Like, is that just a story? Like, what if you are that footballer that's, that's thinking about it or wants to tell the world who they are? And newspapers are writing stories about how they, they might already know who it is. Like, it must be kind of scary and quite daunting. Yeah, I wonder if there, I don't know if about now, but I wonder in general in football if there's more acceptance of sort of gay slurs and demonising being queer in any way in sport, especially amongst men, even just in the kind of changing rooms or whatever. Definitely, I would say so. Like, I was actually watching Drag Race the other day. Yeah. You've seen it. And there was like a, a makeover challenge or something with a, a male basketballer whose wife had made him go on the show. And he was really, really quite scared about doing it. And it was just a bit of fun. And they were asking him, the judges were asking him, you know, what are you scared of? And he was like, I am terrified of what people are going to say when I'm back in the locker room. Mm. And it's things like that. Like, I I imagine it does happen because they feel everyone else is saying it, but there's probably now a thing that is just deemed okay. Mm. let's take the mick out of it let's make let's intimidate you yeah I totally hear that I mean I can imagine there's being less maybe queer men in sport just because of that reason of wanting to stay away from those spaces that might be feeling kind of unsafe or yeah horrible to be in sometimes stressful and hard yeah definitely yeah okay thanks for that Paula um all right so looking at your whole career in general in terms of football what would you say your highlights and lowlights have been um well my main highlight was definitely making my under 23s debut uh in 2018 mm-hmm. um so getting called up to the under 23s was totally I, I didn't expect it at all I hadn't been involved in about two years so I went away to Norway and I didn't expect to play at all, but I actually featured in all three games. So Wow. Um, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it was crazy. That's definitely a career highlight for me. Cool. How did that feel? How did that feel being called up for the first time of the three games? Um, it was just, it was crazy. It was an enormous amount of pressure. I think it was, it was the Nordic Cup. Um, so I think the teams we played were Sweden, the USA and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Those are all really good teams. And I think we finished second, um, second to USA. So we did really well. Um, wow. And as I said, I got really good feedback. So from then, it was just trying to push on to eventually the next stage was the seniors. But sadly, I got injured. So straight from my career high, I went straight into my career low. I think I got back on the Monday and I had a game against Leicester on the Sunday. Um, and it was about 10 minutes in. I didn't see it coming. I just got clattered by a goalkeeper. Then the screams came. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd accepted it. I wasn't in denial or anything straight away. I knew that it was a bad injury, and I knew that I would be out a long time. I just remember fa- uh, my mum FaceTiming me. She'd seen it on Twitter that I'd been injured, and someone had sent her a video. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, one of the fans. I don't know why he did that. Yeah. <laughs> When she faced on me, she was like, "You either you can either get through it or you won't. If you don't want to go through that again, then then it's fine." And I just remember having to make that decision then. I don't know. It was a long a long sort of road back to recovery. What was the decision then between sort of staying in football or leaving football? Yeah, right. Um, I think straight away I thought, no, there's no way. I'll people get knee injuries all the time. It's fine. And then it was only when I sort of there was no support at the club I was at so everything was NHS 
went yeah. to a couple of appointments and they're like, you'll never play again, but you should be able to walk again. I was like, great. Wow. Being told you'll never play again is really quite something, isn't it? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And you t- totally proved them wrong. Yeah, I just, uh, for me at that point, there was no sort of, I, I never believed them. I was like, yeah, like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. So I just sort of pushed on to see anything that I could do to help myself. And luckily I had some some great, like, people around me. Like, I had Rachel Yankee, um, who's obviously an England legend. She was pushing for me to get the best help that I could. Um, with her help, I luckily got the support of one of the best knee consultants in the country so wow, that's brilliant yeah I think if it wasn't for her then I wouldn't have been able to make the appearances I have for Lewis so far oh that's such a great story I'm really glad that you didn't listen to the doctors and you carried on healing yourself and working towards the recovery for yourself to continue playing Definitely. okay so quick question then apart from football what do you like to do off the pitch well I love my dog mm-hmm. he uh <laughs> He keeps me sane most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously living in Brighton, there's so many great places to see, not in lockdown at the minute, but um, me and my partner just love taking him out and visiting new places. I love to travel, hoping for a lot of traveling when this is all over. Mm. Um, but I also work full time, so that keeps me busy a lot of the time as well. Oh, where do you work? Uh, I'm actually self-employed, so I am director of a, a computer testing company. It's pretty other end of the spectrum from football. Yeah, <laughs> what what what's that like? Tell me more about that. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I like it because it's sort of building for my future. You know, I don't. It's not what I want to do. I, as I say, I want to travel. So the the harder I work now, the less I have to work in the future. That's sort of how I see it. But. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you know I've worked at some really big companies I, I was at ASOS previously um, and Ted Baker so it's pretty cool wow yeah so fab so fab amazing thanks for that um, okay so a question that I ask every football player is what do you think you bring to the pitch oh it's a tough one <laughs> uh, I think I'm quite a creative player um, so I like to you know, not do things that are expected. I don't like to play in a certain way or to a certain structure as such. I like to catch teams off guard. You know, you can watch as many as many players play and you can try and read their game or pick out their weaknesses. But I like to do the unexpected and hope that people can't defend me and that I can work with other attackers or other midfielders and, and break a team down by, by doing things that they haven't seen before. Love that. Thank you. Okay, we've got a final question and then we're going to be wrapping things up. Um, If you were speaking to a young person who wanted to do something like you have with football that might be kind of against expectations of people around them for whatever reason, how would you advise them? Do you have any words of encouragement? I would just say always follow whatever your heart's telling you to do. Um, So many people in in my life have told me no or, or not agreed with things that that I'm doing but at the end of the day it's your they're not living your life and if you want to go out and achieve something for you that's the only person you're doing it for you're not doing it for anybody else and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be scared or or listen to what other people say love it Paula you've been brilliant thank you so much no thank you